Um, but I have been going through the Eightfold Path, and um, I finished uh, the first couple of factors, which were, uh, I think they're, everyone here is familiar with the, the Buddhist teachings on the Eightfold Path, and you, you know what I'm talking about when I refer to it, you're not, not new to it. So I finished the first couple of, uh, the first set, the first um, couple of factors, wise wise in wise view and wise intention and then moved into the second piece which I really love the piece of uh, sila or ethical behavior which is really just a way to live in the world it's a way to live in the world that I find so powerful and for me it's been incredibly powerful it's been a real it's been a real way I can frame my life uh, to move forward and I was in this board meeting on um, Tuesday night I'm on this board of this organization that's a, a faith-based social justice organization and they had a little icebreaker that we did in the meeting and it was uh, when did you or I can't remember exactly what it was but it was something like how did you get involved with faith-based faith-based social justice and I have been interested in um, social justice all my whole life growing up in the 60s and seeing all everything that was going on in the 60s and the anti-war movement and civil rights movement and, and women's liberation and gay rights and, and all that stuff that was happening then and, and but never tied it to faith-based because I had no faith I had no interest in any kind of organized religion and um, but having gotten into Buddhist practice over the last several numbers of years I have found that although I wouldn't um, describe it as faith based like I believe certain tenets and therefore that's why I'm doing what I'm doing it is kind of a spiritual practice that underpins how I show up in the world and um, so I was reflecting on that and I've reflected on that over the years and that's kind of why I was involved with this organization and I don't see my experience of Buddhism is not as a religion but it's as the spiritual it's these spiritual foundational teachings that are so wise and so beneficial I think um, in my life and I've seen in the lives of uh, many many other people and so when I, a couple of weeks ago I was talking about wise speech and which is the first factor in, the, in, in sila how do we communicate with others and ourselves I mean how do we how do we show up in, um, in um, interaction and that's so incredibly important and it's been very powerful for me and then the next the next factor is wise action, which encompasses a few things. And wise action together with wise speech really is the, is the foundation of the precepts, which again is how we interact with people in the world, how we are in relationship with all beings. It's really quite large. And um, I was talking about this on Thursday at my Thursday class, and thinking about it is, it's just, I always have this image of an overcoat or a warm jacket, a comfy jacket on a cold, on a, oh, a cold night in L.A. What is it? It got to, it was like 49 degrees at my house this morning. Brr. Um, <laughs> you know, but that warm jacket that you could put on, and it just um, em embraces you. 
And it's like, okay, I got it. I can walk out into that 49 degree weather. Um, or the rain the other day. I was like, I got it. I can walk out on. And, and so that's how I see these teachings that I just kind of put them on. And it's like my suit when I go out into the world. And it's what I fall back on. So why speech? The tenets of why speech. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it, is it kind? Those are so important. Um, are, you, are, you, are you doing what, are you saying what needs to be said? And then wise action in this teaching encompasses um, not intentionally killing, um, not taking what's not offered, and being wise with our sexuality. Not causing harm with our sexuality, with our, our relationships with other beings. And um, so that together with um, why speech are the precepts, how we show up. And it's, um, it's so important. And I love um, this first one, Not Intentionally Killing. Bhikkhu Bodhi, who wrote this book, um, where he talks about non-harming and not killing, he says it's, this principle is grounded in the consideration that all beings love life and fear death and seek happiness and are averse to pain. And if we believe that, that we, we believe that all beings are interested in not being hurt and staying alive, then it behooves us to treat them with dignity and respect, which means not causing harm. All beings. I'm always, I always emphasize that all beings, because we can just... Um, create categories of people who do not fit into all beings, which is quite extraordinary if you think about it. I mean, how can you say all beings except you? We can. People do it all the time. They do it all the time. They're doing it right now in Tijuana. You know, it's like, yeah, not you. You know, not you, not you. All over the world it's happening. So to stop and think about that... Um, and I also love where it goes even farther than that. And this is what I think is so important because most of us don't have this, um, are not um, in a place of killing people. But it says the abstinence or the, you know, the refraining from causing harm, the abstinence may be taken to apply to two kinds of action, the primary and the secondary. The primary is the actual destruction of life. The secondary is deliberately harming or torturing another being without <coughs> killing it. How do we cause harm? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. How do we cause harm as we walk about the world? It could cause harm in how we speak. We could cause harm in how we think about it. You know, we're, we have this deep conditioning that we may not even be aware of when we cause harm and how we think about people, how we how we uh, interact with people, how we treat people. It's really important to, to be mindful of all of this. And I was thinking about that mindfulness is, is another couple of factors in. Um, and that is the, the, uh, the foundation of all of this. If we're not paying attention, we can be out there causing all kinds, wreaking all kinds of havoc. You know, just, just causing all kinds of harm. Um, you know, it's interesting, George... Bush, the 41st president, died, and so now there's all the what a great American hero he was kind of shit that's out there. Um, 
And I'm really happy to see people go, yeah, not so much. Um, you know, he, there was the, the AIDS, his World AIDS Day, and he just kind of went, continuing Ronald Reagan's great um, um, track record with AIDS, just like, nah, not so much. I'm not interested. And he doubled down on the war on drugs. Um, he did a lot of things that were really harmful. And so to recognize that and to call that out is really important. And say, you know what? Thinking, you know, he's just, we, we get so caught up or people get so caught up in the, the greed, the hatred, the ignorance, the delusion, so caught up in these things that they don't see that um, they're causing harm or they say, no, we need to harm. We need to cause this harm because we need to protect these interests. You know, that underlying fear, that underlying greed that drives so much of this. Um, people always say, follow the money. And that's where a lot of times it is. And even if it's couched in religious terms, it's, um, it's, it's greed. It's like, I want to make sure that I have mine. And this power that I have needs to be protected at all costs. And um, we will cause harm because we've defined you as not being worthy of this equal, equal treatment. And this is saying, ah, you don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. That's where the underpinning for social action comes from in these teachings. That's what I have found is this tremendous um, this, 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 this place to stand upon, this bedrock that says, no, bullshit. This I believe. What was that? NPR had that, that, that series where people would say, this I believe. And it's like, this I believe. That's what, that's what can drive people to do these things. So we, um, we don't intentionally cause harm others or ourselves. Others are ourselves. And as usual with Buddhism, it's not just, I'm going to sit on my hands and not punch you. It's not just that. It's also the disciple not only avoids destroying, destroying life, he dwells with a heart full of sympathy, desiring the welfare of all beings. So not does he not just not punch you. We don't just not harm others, but we cultivate. The, we desire the, the welfare of all beings. We, we come from a place of kindness and compassion. Wise, wise compassion um, for all beings. Um, this is this is you know this is the sutta that I think I talked about a couple of weeks ago that I love. It talks about you know we we put down our weapons. The the wise the the wise one puts down their weapons, and when they put down their weapons, they 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 walk forward with a heart of compassion and kindness, and also saying, yeah, no, you don't get to do that. That's not okay. Calling things out. You know, speaking truth to power is, is part of this. So that's, that's the first piece of right action. And it's so important. And, and a real place we can, we can look and say, okay, is this action I'm going to take going to cause harm? 
It's a, it's a really important reflection. And that's what gives, that's, you know, we slow ourselves down, we pause. I mean, our conditioning has us reacting, 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 and this practice invites us to calm down. I was, a friend of mine was on a, um, a retreat in North Carolina. There's a nun, um, Panawati. She used to be a Baptist minister, and now she's an ordained Theravada nun, and she's the first um, black Af- African American Theravada nun, and she has a retreat center in North Carolina. She's great. I met her a couple of years ago, um, and she somebody quoted her. She she taught us retreats and saying that. Sitting in a room like this or meditating in your house is simply the training. It, the practice is when you walk out the door. That's where the rubber meets the road. If you walk, talk, walk the way you talk, then you're a practitioner. Otherwise, you're just kind of sitting here staring at your navel, as they used to say. Um, so that's, that's where this training pays off is when we walk out that door is, is, is that, what are we getting from this? Are we paying attention to what this, what this stuff is saying? And the, the mindfulness training helps us to pause and go, okay, what am I doing? Sometimes we're better than others. You know, sometimes we just kind of lose it. Sometimes it just is a split second causing harm. Because we're just reactive, 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 autopilot. We just get triggered and triggered. And we have a lot of deep, deep conditioning that we have to um, work with. You know, we all come from different places of harm. We've all been harmed in many ways that have caused us to be reactive in many ways. And so recognizing that and and hopefully doing what we can to um, heal ourselves is important. Any questions on, on, on this piece before I move on? Yeah. Yeah, um, this feels silly, but something yeah, I've been struggling with like, since I've been getting into the ankle it's like the idea of killing. Like, I'm starting to feel bad about bugs. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know about bugs. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel bad about that, I guess, but like literally, like, um, I don't want to bargain in that one. You know? And it's like, it hurts me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anybody else in here struggle? With? Yeah, I think we all do. Yeah. That I think we we have to make a decision. Uh, sometimes that um, I used to I used to comb the fleas off my cat and then try and take them outside and let them go. And and this year it is just so bad. I just had to drown them. Like, I was like, like, I'm really sorry. I don't want to do this, but I have to kill you. Um, you know, other people talk about when they have rat infestations or something in their houses and how do they deal with it. And it's like there's a there's a spectrum, you know, and there's an understanding that in a perfect world we wouldn't harm, but we. I mean, I, there comes a point where we have to say, okay, I, I don't want to do this. I used to cheat because when the ants would come in and you'd have that that three-inch thick trail of ants, so I'd, I'd go, I'd call my husband and I'd go, honey, it's the same thing. So, um, yeah, so just recognizing that it's going to happen because, like you said, you don't want to be the Jane walking around like a, you're going to, we we're going to kill things walking home. 
or to our car. We're breathing in, you know, and it's, it's impossible not to, but we, and sometimes we intentionally do it and, and we understand it and recognize, you know, they always say, well, there's karma involved with this, you know, there's, there's, but I don't want my, I would love not to, but sometimes I'm going to have to. Yeah. And as far as the meat eating stuff is concerned, everybody has to find um, their own way with that. So that's a, that's a, that's a real dynamite question that you can get into fistfights around that one. So I'm not going to go there. Um, but that's a place where people have to find their own way with it. It is painful. I remember once I was overseas and I was in a room and, um, in my bedroom when I was excavating and a bug got stuck and he was, um, it was trying to get out, and so it was kept hitting the screen, and so I, was, I wanted to get it and take it outside, and I mashed it, and I was like, I was crying. I was beside myself. I was like, it's like, wow, we get into these places, and it's like, it's sweet, it's lovely, and we don't want to do it. We don't walk around with this harming. I think there's a different intention where, you know, when you like, oh man, fleas, I really don't want to kill you. Ants, I don't want to kill you. Scorpions, I really can't go away. <laughs> Please go away. Um, versus, you know, recognizing that this is a living being and you're making this choice because you have the power versus, you know, you are not worthy. You know, the, the, when people treat other people like that or they, they dehumanize other people, there's a, I think there's a vast difference. And you have an awareness of what you're doing where these other people live. There's no awareness. There's like, fuck you. It's, 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 a, it's, a different, it's a different place on the scale. So really be compassionate towards yourself as well. Because it is so difficult, and for those of us who struggle with this, really, I think compassion is is important to have uh, when we when we reflect um, on ourselves. Anybody ever have a thought or anything? Yeah, please. I just wanted to say I appreciate you raising the George Bush thing because you know every time there's every time there's someone who passes away, obviously there is like compassion for their family, compassion for you know, people that are not supposed to do that, but it doesn't erase the absolutely horrifying things they did. Uh, and I think that sometimes people don't want to, there's like, it seems taboo to when someone passes away, be like, oh, well, I remember all this nasty shit they did. And I've been trying to find that space where I'm feeling compassion for their loved ones and people who are close to them, also keeping in mind that um, this is someone who brought a great deal of quality and a great deal of people. And I I just think it's, I appreciate you greatly. I think it's important to have that balanced view. Yeah, because we want to just, you know, sanitize. You know, the eight Americans have this great um, ability to um, sanitize their history and think of the age of innocence. You know, (laughs) my favorite was after 9-11, when a lot of um, musicians were contemplating whether to cancel concerts or not. And I think Crosby, Stills and Nash 
um, I can't remember where they were they were going to play or not. And it said, and it harks back to the age of innocence when they performed in 1969. And go, 1969? Do you know what was going on in 1969, 1968? People were being assassinated left and right. We had riots. It was Vietnam. We had the age of innocence. It's just people just wipe the shit out of their heads. It's like, you know, reality check, kids. Reality check. You know, that's what Make America Great is all about. MAGA. It's like, mm, I don't think so. So anyway, we digress. <laughs> so, um, but it's reality. It's true. It's absolutely true. 1968. Oh, and then the, the the Democratic Convention. Oh my God, it was awful. That was my. That was my. Those were my formative years. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember watching the Democratic Convention. Yeah, I was 13 in 1968. My brother went to Vietnam. Yeah, I just. Uh, yeah, it was not a fun time. That's why people did a lot of acid, I think. <laughs> um, but um, bum. Anyway, so the next thing actually is is you know these all flow together. The next thing is not taking what's not freely offered, which again flows into this. You know, this the speaking of colo- we didn't speak of it, but colonialism. You know, is is a part of that taking what's not freely offered. You just walked in there and stuck a flag down and took over our country. Um, what the fuck? You know, it wasn't freely offered, but it was. You know, we are we can because we have the power. So this this if if people were really practicing this, that wouldn't happen. That would not happen. We would not be doing those things. Um, uh, generally, it's often thought of like, don't steal, you know, don't take um, um, somebody's purse if they're out of the room. But it's also taking time from people. You know, do you do you take people hostages? It's uh, it's really important to see how we show up with our relationships with other people. I was mentioning this the other day. And he's like, do you know people who don't have an off switch? You know. <laughs> You do. <laughs> they they are not aware, and they're taking time from people. <sighs> Have a cookie. There's cookies over there. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have to really pay attention to what we do and how we do it. Um, and in in the in the sutta, it talks about. Um, uh, not stealing, not robbing, not snatching, fraud, and deceitfulness. But it's really um, uh, about being honest uh, with uh, how we show up with other people. Again, there's this honesty. And it's also not taking what's not freely offered. Again, it's not just don't steal somebody's wallet, but cultivate generosity. It's the antidote to craving and clinging is to be kind and generous. Recognize when you're coming from this place of lack, because that's where this fear is. This there's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough. Where's mine? And um, we were talking about that the other day, um, where you know, being able to. Uh, oh, somebody was talking about work, where 
his, they were having a meeting with the new boss saying, okay, make sure that everybody knows that we're the best team, you know, in the, in the company and that the other teams aren't quite as good as us and we have to build, and, and he's like, well, no, you don't have to do that. You know, every team is, is good in its own way and has its strengths and, and how can we work together as a whole to move forward, not like we're better than you. You know, that's, that's underlying, uh, coming from an underlying place of fear. I know because I used to operate that way. Like I can't let anybody else, oh, if somebody else gets a compliment, that means something about me. We create, you know, create, oh, then I, if they like them, then they don't like me, you know? And it's like, how do I get them to like me? Not recognizing that that's not necessary. That's not necessary, you know? So it's, it's like when people ask me about things that are like kind of, in, I don't know I'm saying competition, it's like, oh, you know, like in, there's classes now uh, inside LA's over at the old, where Melrose used to be, and people say, where is, can you go? It's like, well, go over there. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's me, it's, it's letting, it's being generous. It's allowing people to see what's fully there rather than just hoarding and holding on. That's greed. You know, that's the cause of, of all that suffering and, and um, uh, a lot of suffering when we just cling to things and not let go. So really, where, what are you taking that's not freely offered? You know, where are you holding on that you could maybe let go of? I, I tell this story. I haven't told this, told this story in a while, so maybe none of you have heard it. Years ago, I was on a retreat at Spirit Rock, and if you've been on retreat, you know you have a different, a particular job um, to do while you're on retreat, and I was, uh, my job was to um, uh, bring stuff to the, where the teachers had their meetings. They had a, a yurt that they would meet in, and they had their, they had snacks there and tea and stuff, and so that was what my job was, to refill the teacher's yurt um, with snacks, and I think it was around Halloween, and there was a bag of candy, and the cook said, here, bring this down to the teacher's, the teacher's ear. And I had this bag of candy, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> And then I realized it wasn't offered to me. And there was this, it's like, oh, it wasn't freely offered. Oh, so I just get to, I just get to be the courier. I just get to take it and drop it off. And there was a freedom in that. That, oh, it wasn't offered, then I don't, then I don't, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. So, you just really, again, that, that foundation of mindfulness and paying full attention to what we're doing. Really paying attention. What are, what are we doing here? Are we taking, are we in relationships longer than we should be in relationships? Been there, done that. You know, are we, are we giving a full day's work for a full day's pay, you know, how are we showing up in this world? How are we, are we being honest? It's all about honesty. So, you know, um, any questions around that? And the next one is being wise. Um, oh, I'm sorry, there's one other thing that, um, that I like this, this, that I wrote down about this. It's um, not just being generous and not just not taking, but be careful about withholding what actually should be given. Sometimes we hold on to things and we don't give what 
doesn't actually belong to us. We have possession and we don't give what rightfully should be given. Perhaps compliments, perhaps this, perhaps that. Sometimes, you know, it's that, again, that, that greedy hoarding mentality. You know, I, I've got this, I can't let it go. It's not really mine, but if they don't know, then what's the problem, right? It's like a mission. You know, not saying, like, well, I didn't say anything. It's like, well, you actually should have said something. So what are we, are we clinging to things that we actually should be letting go of? So. It's not just being thoughtful and self-examination. Yep. Challenging your worldview. Yep. It has to come from you. I mean, you can, like you said, you can have the teachings in, in here, you can have meditation at home, but it's what you are able to exhibit in your, in your daily, in your behavior, and how you interact with others once you step out the door. Absolutely. You have to always be mindful of like, the challenges that you see in yourself. Absolutely. And step out and say, I'm going to prove that I can be good for me. We have to find our edges. We have to find what's the challenge for us. What's what what piece of this is challenging? Where do we where do we hesitate? Absolutely. If if again, as I'm saying, this is a a foundation, a bedrock, a way to live your life, then you this, these are the lenses that we view our, our our lives through, and say, okay, if I really believe that I don't take what not was not offered or I'm generous and I offer or I don't want to cause harm. How do I show up in this situation? What do I say in this situation? Is there something that needs to be said? You know, is there something that shouldn't be said? Is there something that needs to be done? We really, really use it as again a springboard to action if we're talking about the social action, you know. Um, social justice types of issues and you know this is it's like oh this is not this is not okay like this organization is um, um, that I was talking about earlier that I'm involved in um, they they do a lot of work uh, with workers who are you know fighting for fair wages and um, so you know there's a lot of wage theft that goes on you know they talk about the drive the port drivers in Long Beach who are independent contractors but they're not they're employees but they're treated as independent contractors so they don't get any benefits and they have to pay all these fees and you know they do all this work for like 475 you know they're like the um sharecroppers who you have to pay practically everything you get to the company store and you don't get any money so that's like wage theft the company is making money off of you so that is part of this Taking what's not freely offered. It's theft. But it's it's legal, you know, technically it's legal-ish. And so they do fights with that. They do all, a lot of work with that kind of stuff. And so really um, um, see, seeing, um, yeah, what's going on and how you can have an impact and where you can move, what kind of direction you can move in around this stuff. So it's really, pay, like you said, pay attention. You have to be aware. Pay attention. What what can we do? What do we do? What are, which direction do we go in around this stuff? 
Um, and then the last piece around this is being careful with our um, sexuality. And that, you know, there's not a lot of, um, a lot about this except we don't uh, get into sexual relationships with minors and we are in re relationships with consenting adults, you know? Not a lot of prescriptions or proscriptions around this except like, yeah, be really cautious in this because we can cause so much harm. With, with romantic or sexual relationships. I'm sure everyone in this room has suffered at some point or time through a relationship. And it's so easy because people are so vulnerable and they, they, they open their hearts and they're so vulnerable in these situations that we have to be really cautious. We have to be really mindful. We have to have our eyes wide open when we go get into these relationships. And then, this also makes me think, I just finished a book, somebody gave me a book, I just finished, it was, it's a, it was a detective, like a police procedural, which I love, but it was written in, or it was, it's a modern book, but it takes place in 1950s South Africa, when the apartheid rules were, the worst of the worst apartheid rules were being enacted. And so, in, and just like in our country, it, it was illegal for so many years for people of different races to have any kind of sexual relationship. You know, it was illegal. And, that, and that's true with all over the world in so many places that, no, you can't because you have to blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, there are laws that sometimes are bullshit based on greed and hatred and ignorance, and then there's the how we show up in our one-to-one -one relationships with others. So recognizing that they're not the same thing, that laws can be incredibly harmful and um, oftentimes need to be addressed and changed, and that doesn't have anything to do with how people are uh, with each other in a one-to-one -one romantic basis um, or, or intimate relationship in an intimate basis. It's really important. And I think it said that the Buddha said if there was anything else as, as, as um, difficult as uh, intimate relationships, no one would ever become enlightened. Yeah. So that's all. Because <laughs> it's really hard. That's why I think why Theravadan monks and nuns are celibate. Because it's, um, it's really a difficult, it's a difficult thing to um, to navigate, not causing harm. Because we get so hurt and we get so um, um, damaged, or not damaged, but yeah, we can be damaged that it's, it, we become so reactive, we become so reactive that it's important to recognize that. Um, we have to have our eyes wide open as we go through this. I was looking to see if he had said, um, if he highlighted anything else um, around this, and I don't think so. No. And then um, one of the last things I'll touch on really quickly is, because uh, I, I don't want to do a whole class on it, is wise livelihood. What livelihood, how you, how you make your living. And I think, again, that should fall into the 
be governed by the precepts? Is it causing harm? Is it is it is it uh, unwise or unskillful? There's you know Buddha listed a bunch of um, jobs that you shouldn't you shouldn't have like be an arms dealer or deal in um, intoxicants or um, uh, deceit, treachery, soothsaying, trickery, and usury. Um, dealing in weapons and living beings including raising animals for slaughter as well as slave trade and prostitution, meat production, butchery, dealing in poisons and intoxicants. Um, But I'm sure there's a lot of others that we could name today that didn't exist when the Buddha was around. You can get two. Newspaper? Newspaper? Because, oh my gosh, I have no idea how much paper goes through. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How much ink goes into Kono's lap? Yeah. And the clothing industry mm. because Am I, am I making an impact in a, in a 
in a, in a, in a beneficial way or a not beneficial way. It's really important to see um, how you show up and how you show up, you know, how I, so that's, you know, wise livelihood is really important. But again, just because you're doing something that you think is not, you can't just quit and walk away because, again, you don't want to cause harm. But you, you have, we, again, we set an intentionally inclined the mind of hopefully we can walk in a direction where we will be beneficial in what we do. The, what, the job we have, the livelihood we make will be um, um, helpful or at least not harming neutral, if nothing else. I think most jobs are fairly neutral. Um, anyway, and then there's a the whole spectrum of how you behave once you're in there. Again, all these things, these precepts and these factors in the Eightfold Path, they all intertwine. They're not discrete units, and, but they, they actually um, uh, support and build on each other. So, those are my five cents about um, the, uh, the wise action. Any, any other questions? Comments or questions around this?